Once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Then I jumped on the bandwagon. I'm your host, Aaliyah, and this is Heavy Business, a podcast where we talk to music industry professionals and musicians and learn together about the music industry, marketing, and other tools that can help you promote the music you put so much effort into creating. Hello and welcome to another episode of Heavy Business. I'm your host, Aaliyah. And I'm Curtis. And today we are talking with our best friend, Ian Cheney from Stereo Gum. And we are going to talk about uh, successful campaigns. What, like, what obituary did right that you're doing wrong? So anyway, welcome again to the podcast, Ian. Thanks for coming on. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Let's do business and get heavy. Yes, let's. Curtis, you want to kick things off? I do. So uh, I came up with the idea for this podcast, um, basically because obituary is releasing tomorrow. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, they did a fucking phenomenal campaign. Uh, they've been around since the late 80s. Ian probably knows better than I do, but late 80s, I think, early 90s. I can't even remember. Uh, but they've been around for a long time. Um, they never really disappeared off the map or anything like that. But I mean, they just did a really solid press campaign. Um, they basically hit everything right. They've got press basically everywhere. Um, everybody's talking about them. Songs sound great. So I figured we could kind of use this as being a kickoff for, you know, what bands are doing right in their campaigns, what bands are doing wrong. And since they've been around for a long time, why not them? Uh, so Ian, you mentioned you had written about obituary back in your November black market, um, column. Um, can you kind of go over how they got up, how that got on your radar? Yeah. So John Freeman was the, uh, publicist who reached out to me. John said, you know, I got obituary that's around and doing interviews. Are you interested in interviewing them? And I said, you know, there's been this thing that has been, scratching away at the back part of my brain for the good part of a decade. And it's the fact that obituaries lyrics are on genius for slowly rewrought and genius is the big lyric depot on the internet now. And so slowly rewrought lyrics are up there despite there not being real lyrics for slowly rewrought. John Tardy was just like singing nonsense. And yet all the lyrics there are fully transcribed and they're absolutely ridiculous. I did not know this. That's awesome. Yep. It's stuff like the sword is your plow and stuff like that. Nice. And so John was like, do you have any ideas? And I was like, yeah, I want to read all the slowly wrought lyrics to obituary and see what they think about it. And maybe we can try and crack the code as far as why this was on there. And John was like, great, cool. Let's do it. And of course, to the band's credit, they were also down and we had a grand old time going through all these lyrics. And uh, yeah, uh, the highlight of my metal writing career so far is probably reading to John Tardy, slowly we rot in our love, which is a lyric that Genius pulled out. So yeah, that was great stuff. So just the willingness to kind of go off in that crazy deep end with me, loved it. And uh, yeah, I think uh, just the band's willingness to do that is really what kind of like what sets them apart. What, what was Freeman's reaction when you asked to do this, by the way? Oh, he absolutely loved it. Yeah, he's Amazing. like, 
anything then anything that i bring to him that's like off the wall he's like yes totally let's see if we can do this that's amazing uh okay so obituary so they had two pretty big prs running the campaign so john freeman and hold tight did it in the uk i believe if i'm not mistaken i don't know who else they use but uh so they use those are probably two of the biggest prs in metal um other than adrenaline pr so you could tell that they kind of went all out on this one um so one thing i noticed is they seem to not only hit all the big market or not markets all the big press but they also seem to back it up with a willingness to also do something a little bit different like i was kind of surprised when they said that they were opening for amon and mark i don't know how you guys felt about that um alia let's hear your take on this before ian says anything I, I i was shocked that kind of that they agreed to do it because they've been around a lot longer than name on a mark and they're kind of the ogs but well i don't really know them personally but i would say that generally speaking if you're smart you know that having an ego doesn't really help you and if a band is doing well and they ask you to open for them and there's a cross section of fans that like you both or that would like you both then it's beneficial to do it I agree. Ian, what's your take on that whole tour? I thought it was perfect marketing for all those bands. Those those were huge bands all on one tour together. Oh, yeah. No, I think we're going to see a lot more tours like that, uh, where you're going to have bands for like every single person in the family. Like it's like a generational tour. Because like not only was Obituary opening for Amon Amarth, but like Carcass was also opening for Amon yep. Amarth. Yep. So I mean, great way to get like everybody there and kind of like cross-pollinating the uh, the generations, even though, you know, Amon Amarth is pretty old as well, but they are. I think they have a younger fan base than I would say Carcass and Obituary do. But yeah, love it. Far. Yeah. Um, okay. So now, so they had the touring down, they had the press down. Uh, what else What else do you think that they did kind of different that made the campaigns a success? Ian, do you got anything else off the top of your head for them before we move into other examples? I'm just always impressed about their just willingness to just do interviews and get in the trenches with people. Like the research that I did on this was so easy because they've been interviewed so many times. Yeah. And they also have a uh, book that came out early last year that was pretty good that detailed their entire history. So just their openness to kind of like get it all out there and tell their story is like really neat. I dig it. Um, just out of curiosity as a journalist, when not just obituary, but would a band that's been around that long, like 30, 40 years, wants to get interviewed by you, what would you say, what would, you say would be a way to put a fresh take on things other than what you did with obituary? Because most bands aren't going to have made up lyrics that you can just, what would you do to spin it? Like if it was another band that's been around for so long, kind of making a bit of a comeback, I guess. Really depends on the band, but yeah, I would I prefer to have like a fresh, weird angle, especially if it's something that's gonna be kind of funny. Because okay. I think that's like I think humor is like the great inroads for people. So like even if you don't like metal, like you still like funny stuff. Like this was yeah. such a such a funny concept that like I couldn't couldn't refuse it. Yeah. What if it was someone like, okay, let's say for example, it's Twisted Sister coming back. I know they've already picked it a comeback, but just they came off the top of my head. Something like that. How would how would you go into that as a journalist to make it fresh? Wow. I mean, Twisted Sister has such an interesting history now. Yeah. Especially yeah. with like D. Snyder at the you know congressional hearings for the PMRC and stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. I just think that there's so much there that's worth mining that like maybe this current generation hasn't, you know, delved into the record books and hasn't caught up fully with yet. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a just 
enough there just to tell the story would be good enough for, for a band like Twisted Sister. Perfect. Okay, so now let's bring it down to indie band level. So um, obviously most of the bands that listen to us are not going to be the obituary level. And let's they're not talk be- about black braid like you mentioned that's what i was trying to that was because, what i was trying to and i was just gonna to. i was just gonna say i just heard them i was listening to banger tv's um audience voted or listener voted um their audience voted um top 10 albums and they did a video on the top like the five the 10 to five and then the five to one and black braid was like number one <laughs> and so it's like they really Black Braid's music got everywhere. It penetrated the listeners, the journalism, everywhere. So, yeah. What do you think they did right about their campaign that that allowed them to do that? Because obviously something has to do with the music. It has to do with the music being excellent. But what else is there to it? Ian, you're up. Yeah, I think first and foremost, like just the music being excellent was kind of like the key. I also think that playing uh, probably the most PR ready genre in black metal also helps. Like it's, it's kind of funny that we think about like black metal as being like, you know, like I'm in the dungeon, I'm alone, I'm solo. I, I make all my music alone by candlelight. My only friends are the spiders. And yet it's like, like the biggest like underground music genre going right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's also that, but like he also had like a really good hook and something like original to say and do with black metal which is like filtering that through is like his like native american heritage and ancestry so like i thought that was like uh just a a great way for i hate to say like normal people but like normal people that don't normally listen to metal they can look at that and be like oh cool like that's something that i can check out that's like not the usual like doom and gloom satan type stuff this is something that could also help me bridge my you know fears about having gore and nasty vocals and stuff like that so i think just all that combined just really you know helped black braid break through to the other side and kind of like transcend the underground well what's what do you guys think well what i would what i think is 100 i agree with you um my only my only different take is that it's you kind of said this, but he came across as being, I would say, non-threatening, but more uh, approachable than most black metal. Because like you said, it wasn't like super like, you know, I'm dark and scary type thing. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it was menacing. I mean, it's black metal, right? So it wasn't like, but it wasn't commercial like Death Heaven at the same time, like that kind of an image kind of thing. It was unique. He played, he he was true to his heritage. And I think a lot of people like that. Um, and, you know, it wasn't just some white guy screaming about, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. It was different. Um, I I personally don't know of a lot of other bands that are doing something like that. What about you, Aaliyah? No, I don't really have, I don't know if I have anything unique to add after those two takes, because that's pretty much it. Like, um, honestly, I don't know what kind of PR approach they took. So I can't really speak to that. And I didn't really watch their social media to see how they interacted with their fans um to see if that was done differently i um, hired one of the most experienced prs in the industry to back up i know that okay it was katie that did his campaign oh really okay yeah. well that makes sense yeah 
so he he was smart in that regard for sure. I I don't I I don't know how that happened, but he did do that for sure. Yeah, so he hired a P, a PR that basically works specifically in his genre. Yep. So that's that's really a nice uh, that's a that's a key takeaway potentially, yep. um, if you're able to do that. Um, but yeah, it's just the fact that it wasn't like a copy of anything else. It wasn't what one thing I want to say is like it wasn't pretentious. Nope. because it was a lot of a lot of black metal can come off as like pretentious and kind of gatekeepy and just like if you're not into this then you know you're not true you're a poser yeah. and it just didn't come off as pretentious at all and so i think that also made it more approachable to people ian were you approached to do an interview with him at all i don't actually know if you spoke to him or not we didn't do an interview now but we covered the music super early Fair. Um, did did they approach you or or like how 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 did that happen? Just out of curiosity. Oh, that was a band camp find for oh. us. Yeah. Oh, so you you just kind of like ran like you or Wyatt or whoever just kind of randomly just stumbled across my band camp, no press release or anything. Nope, that was it. Yeah, the uh, it was the they had the first single up and uh, yeah, just uh, crossed my band camp deck and that was it. That was all we needed. Okay, so I want to take this up because I know with with Knotfest when they got interviewed on Knotfest, like they like him and his fans were going and they were actively on the Instagram page going like, "Hey, you should you should get Black Braid on." I wasn't sure if they did that with you guys, um, but so let's talk about this for a second because this is part of a successful campaign is making the band camp um, so that way a journalist will want to check it out. Can you kind of go over that again? Because you find like ninety percent of your shit on Bandcamp. Yeah, especially these days, yeah. for certain. Yeah, I, usually the thing, like, if you can find out a way to generate promo codes and then get those promo codes into the hands of some of the Bandcamp super users that have a lot of people that follow them for music recommendations, I think that would be a great way to push your music cheaply. Ooh, because defined super user of Bandcamp. You went over this at one point, but for people that didn't pay attention the last few times. Yeah, there are there are super users in Bandcamp. And Bandcamp's UI for finding this stuff is like really hard. So you kind of have to like know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. But you'll when uh, they have the grid of avatars of people that have bought the music, usually you'll see the same picture popping up in a lot of different band camps and you'd be like, oh, okay. So like that person, like uh, the one that I always ID is like Yoma Bar, this uh, listener from Poland that's like, has like like four or 5,000 albums in their band camp collection. And I, you always see them on the same type of stuff. So if you could get like a promo code to Yoma Bar, and Yoma Bar has like a thousand followers that follow them on band camp just specifically uh, for music recommendations. I just that's gonna him, pop so, up because I'm going to use this plan for one of our campaigns now. Yeah, yeah. And so like that, it will just spread throughout the ecosystem of Bandcamp because it'll show up on everybody else's Bandcamp feed. And the people that use Bandcamp and the Bandcamp amp, app are usually like either like super plugged in, super big music people, or they're like industry folk like me. So it's a good way to kind of like do like a grassroots kind of like flood the zone without having to do like like an email blast. So 
Is there anything else they can do other than the super users type thing to make it stand out? Because there must be other ways that you find stuff other than just your other users, I would think. Yeah, I mean, uh, good use of your tags, your genre tags, especially if you're going to use super unique tags that, uh, you know, like, uh, I would be like, uh, I would use like all the big stuff. Like, you know, if you're a death metal band, obviously tag yourself as death metal, but like specifically try to use tags that will get people's attention. Like if you're like an HM2 band, then you'd be like left-hand path, use that as a tag or something like that. No, I never even thought about that. Yeah. Also, I mean, make sure the art is good because while the Bandcamp app is, you know, primarily an oral medium, all that stuff is going to pop up in feeds and it's like scrolling through Instagram. Yeah. So if you have super eye-catching art, that's always going to sell it too. 100%. Uh, Aliyah, do you have any thoughts on this before I ask, before we go into the next part of Black Parade? Okay, cool. So, um, okay. So one other thing that I noticed about Black Parade is they seem to have quite a bit of merch um, for sale as well. Ian, what are your thoughts about merch? Do you think that that helps with getting attention or do you think it doesn't really matter for the band? Because it seemed to me like that was all part of it with him at least. Maybe I'm mistaken though. Yeah, I mean, merch is like a big deal, I think. Especially in the underground space. And I do know that, you know, we make fun of certain bands for having more shirts than songs. Yeah. That's definitely a phenomenon, but... Mm -hmm. If you're gonna have like bang and merch, then like, like your stuff is just gonna get out there because like, like people are gonna be like walking billboards for you, you know. Yeah. yeah. And merch is also a great way to support bands now, especially for people that can't make it out to shows and live in like, you know, like I'm out in the sticks, so like I'm not going to a lot of shows unless it's like super local stuff. Mm-hmm. So one of the w- ways that I can support bands is doing, you know, by buying their merch. So just having that option available is usually gonna be pretty good. What do you think, how do you think merch helps with standing out on Bandcamp or does it not? I actually don't know. And you're like a Bandcamp super user compared to us. So I'm asking. Anytime that you add merch to Bandcamp, it's going to trigger an email that's sent out to everybody that's following you. Good point. So, yeah. So you can be like, you know, selective and covert about that. You know, like if we're going to drop something every quarter, it's just kind of keeping your name fresh and in there. So anyone that's following you that hasn't bought your music yet, they get this email that pops up and it's like, hey, we got new tote bags. They're like, oh, you know what? I should actually listen to this band that I've been following forever that I've totally forgotten about. So like, that's definitely a way you could use it as well. I really like this idea. I that's a good cons- tip. Yeah, I never cons- I-, I could see Aaliyah's going to be dropping Shield of Wings stuff well, once every here's month. the thing no. though. Here's the thing. We have merch that's not listed on Bandcamp because I haven't figured out haven't bought the packaging that would be required to ship it yet mm-hmm. so and and we have um basically we have the european pressing of our cd that got shipped that we got uh, all the remaining copies of mm-hmm. when our distributor closed down well shut us down yeah. wow. <laughs> basically they stopped doing indie artists yeah. um so we have a few things uh, that haven't been uploaded to Bandcamp yet and so they don't oh. You just muted yourself, Aaliyah. And you so they, I was just saying they don't exist as far as Bandcamp is concerned. Cool. So you're going to make a million dollars now. Um, right, exactly. I'll, I'll do this tip. No, I think that was a great tip, actually. Okay, so anything else did we want that we wanted to cover about merch, Aaliyah, before next next part? 
Can you talk a little bit about the importance of artwork for merch? That's a good one. If you if you have an opinion. I mean, it's going to be like the same deal as like having great album artwork, right? Like the the neater artwork that you have on your merch, like the more likely people are going to buy it, even if they just kind of like, even if they're like tepid about your band. Like myself personally, wasn't a big white zombie person back in the day. White Zombie had the best merch out of all the alt metal bands. So do I have White Zombie shirts? Yes, I do. Yeah, so hire artists. I I do like the album art on a t-shirt sometimes, but I think it's a good idea to branch out from that and have additional designs. I have, Obviously, that has to be like an economical decision based off of how much merch you're selling and stuff, but chicken or the egg i don't know um one thing i want to bring up with about merch because i'm looking at the obituary band camp page because I, I forgot to bring this up is um if anybody gets the chance go check that out they have um i mean it's not like a ton of stuff but the options that they have there are like really really cool they've got a long sleeve uh they've got different vinyl colors they've got a cassette uh cd basically anything you can you you could want they have it but and they also have it have the pictures of it looks really good i i personally think that can really help you stand out on Bandcamp. uh ian do you have any more thoughts on merch before we go into the next part don't do stunty merch unless it's really really funny what is stunty merch so like stunty merch is like like uh I'm trying to think of a good example but like, like funny food? yeah i yeah. like cat food as an idea i came up with that idea leah's dissing me yeah like i remember youth attack back in the day used to sell like plastic bags it was just like plastic bags you get from like albertson's and stuff like that but they'd sell out immediately because it was youth attack but like a really funny one was uh chat pile has that final song grimace smoking weed uh, jpeg on their last album and they sold bongs that look like grimace they did i have to look this up or uh, yeah while we're doing this keep talking while i'm looking this up chat pile did a bong with grimace Oh, it was so good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how limited the run was of it, but I do remember that they were they had pictures of that up on Twitter, and it was it was it was very nice. It was very nice. I I, I can see a t-shirt. I see the t-shirt of him. I, I haven't found the bong, but oh my god, this is amazing. Um, Aliyah, I just totally lost my train of thought looking at that. Well, no, Ian was just saying don't do stunty merch unless it's really funny. That's funny. If anybody 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 who's listening to this, go check out the chat pile thing. Uh, next up, we should talk about Ghost, unless we are, are we, are we done on this one? Okay, good. So Ghost, who are the king of kings of marketing and promotion and stuff like that, as far as I'm concerned, they basically went from being this anonymous band that nobody thought would go anywhere back in like 2010 or 2009 or whatever, to being everywhere, like one of the biggest bands in the world now selling out arenas and shit. Um, Ian, I don't know your thoughts on Ghost, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts on Ghost, not just musically, but as a promotional machine when you got to suck. I really like Blue Oyster Cult, which I, I believe is Ghost version one. Fair. So. Fair. <laughs> Fair. But yeah, like Ghost, Ghost is brilliant because, you know, metal is all about mystery. So if you're going to put everyone behind masks and then you're going to say like, well, these are people that you probably know. They're shredding it up. Like, obviously, people are going to be intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. So, like, that was like that was the inroads into uh, Ghost, as I remember it, was that they just popped onto the scene and it was like everyone was like, "These are shredders that you definitely know that are from this scene." 
and try to guess who they are. Like, Everybody that's... thought it was the guy from Wattain, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like an awesome idea. Just, yeah. uh, just to, you know, weaponize your anonymity and use it as a, you know, a press tool. But I think in the, the, the last few years, what's really worked for ghosts is just, you know, they will go out and do interviews and they will name names and they will, they will talk their stuff. And that will always get aggregated and that will always get the band's name out there. It's like the, the old Courtney Love model of like doing press. Yep. Yep. I agree. Do you think that them being anonymous hurt or helped initially then? Oh, it definitely helped. Cool. Aaliyah, you were going to say something? I cut you off. Well, just on the interviews thing, I brought this up before we started recording today, but actually I just heard a ghost interview on my favorite true crime podcast, Morbid. And the host of Morbid is obsessed with ghosts, which she's she spoke about a few times over the course of the podcast and her growing fandom of the band. And then with the last album cycle, Tobias actually did an interview on this true crime podcast. And he made it relevant because he basically uh, solved Jack the Ripper for them. So it was cool. He solved Jack the Ripper for them? The Jack the Ripper case is a, it's a notoriously yeah. uh, unsolved case, but he's like the obvious, the obvious culprit is Interesting. X person. And it's pretty logical. Interesting. Um, one thing I want to bring about, up about Ghost is they kind of go against the the rule of don't be silly and don't be hokey. I mean, we all say don't do that, but I mean, in actual fact, I mean, ghost is silly. They're hokey. You know, they got the whole, you know, we're Satan incarnate type thing. I don't know. When did we ever say don't be silly? Well, we have don't, you know, but it's, there, there are, there are exceptions to the rule. Um, Cause I want Ian as a journalist though, to go over the difference, like, when it's okay to be serious, when it's okay not to be so serious, why does Ghost work and other bands don't work when they pull sticks like this? I think it's just based off of their like uh, their like thematic material. Fair. But I think it just I think it just works for like what they're doing. Like you know, like we're twenty years on from like the satanic panic. Like no one takes that stuff seriously anymore. But there's still a lot of you know, still a lot of meat left on the bone there, mm-hmm. especially to kind of you know, ID yourself as a metal band without people actually having to hear you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I think that's definitely interactive. The the don't be silly thing is like, like you gotta think about who you're going to be pissing off. And if you're going to be pissing off, like, you know, like true heavy metal dorks like me, like, okay, so be it. But there's like far less of me than there are of like ghost fans, right? So it's like, that's like kind of like the worthy trade-off, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I think the oh sorry, Aaliyah. Well, this is a whole can of worms, but Uh-oh. I was just listening to Lord of the Lost's Twitch the other day, and the band member who was speaking brought up the idea of people who do things with their music to please their fans are entertainers, whereas people who write music that they love are artists. I don't know if I agree with that. Ooh. But I don't know. I just thought of that because of what you just said. Ian. I want to I want to rant for a second before Ian talks. I'm sorry, Ian. I I I, th- I think that's stupid. Personally, I think I think there's there's room for both. That's my own opinion. I I I think entertainment and art can be intertwined. Myself, um, 
that's my own opinion because I, I I don't think it has to be separate. That's my own opinion on it though. Ian, let's hear your take. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Curtis. Like, obviously, you know, like to kind of drag us over the movie is like there's that auteurist theory where like, you know, like the director, he's the genius. He's the he's the reason that the this whole movie came together. And it's like it's like 400 people that work on a movie. They're like doing their hardest like every single day. And it's like like I kind of think about that the same way with like bands and stuff. Like, you know, obviously there's a there's there's kind of like needs to be like an important like push and pull behind, you know, your creative and your commercial aspirations. And that's kind of like what makes great art. You know, great art is formed by both the, the commercial and the creative. But ultimately, I think, you know, if you're making music for somebody that's like not yourself first, then you know, maybe take a look in the mirror. But find the balance but obviously yeah do be ultimately yeah putting putting your own interests first well i don't think you could really be an artist and like really get known if you're not someone somebody has to appreciate the art yeah and this was no this is not meant i don't i'm sure i didn't perfectly quote this person right so maybe this is exactly what they meant but i was just thinking of that because of you know, we're talking about ghosts and we're talking about the commercial aspect and, and how can you be hokey and how can you piss off certain people and not, you know, which is more important, you know, and balancing out like maybe more, there are more ghost fans than people who hate ghosts, but ultimately it's, I think it's probably successful because that's, that's not what's first on their minds. This actually leads in perfectly to our last, our last topic. I think it's our last part of the conversation. Uh, Lorna Shore. I think it does. Aaliyah's cracking up with us. It does. It this totally... is our last topic. Lorna Shore. I think I think it is. Is it? I, I think it is. Yes, that's, yeah, that's okay. right. So, because uh, a lot of people think they're hokey, uh, but they're they're also they have some serious topics. Like their last their three videos, the Pain Remains trilogy, uh, was pretty serious. I mean, they dealt with some pretty serious subjects and stuff like that. But I mean, they're like the, one of the biggest bands in the world right now for metal. Well, underground metal, at least. They did a sold-out tour uh, throughout the U.S. and Canada this past year. They're. I feel like Curtis just always wants to bring up Lorna Shore when we're on the podcast with you, Ian. (laughs) No, it's be. Well, he never listened to them before, so yes, I kind of do. Um, But anyways, they're one of the biggest bands in the world right now. A lot of people hate them. A lot of people love them. They're kind of in between on all that. Um, I personally think that they they strike a pretty good balance between... um, I mean, they're usually pretty serious, but the crowd, the, the genre that they're in is not necessarily a serious genre, if that makes sense, as a general rule. There's a lot of deathcore bands that are not serious, don't take themselves too seriously. Uh, it's not known as being like a super serious genre, at least. It's either, because I mean, it's like other, either blood and guts, or it's super goofy as a general rule. Lorna Shore doesn't really fit in either of those two extremes, at least that's my opinion. Um Ian, I know, again, you didn't really listen to very much of them, but you are a journalist. You have seen everything that's gone on with Lorna Shore. Um, what do you think they are doing right versus wrong? And why did they blow up so big, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to say that they're doing anything wrong because they're obviously like one of the bigger underground metal bands that's about to break out. Yeah. Deathcore's in, enduring popularity is like always blows my mind, considering that like, any deathcore release is going to sell like 10 to one first, like what we cover. Yeah. Like it's, 
so the fan base is there, but like they're also one of like the most like undercovered genres, I think, because like none yeah. of the none of the big sites well, really talk about this for deathcore. Nobody a talks lot about of hate for deathcore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the reviews for Lorna Shore's latest album on Metalum, and it's five reviews, and it's averaging 41%. So, obviously, like, the, the true metal dorks, <laughs> such as I, have, have big qualms with pain remains. But yeah. on the flip side, I mean, I, I saw so many tweets from people when this album dropped out. Like, people, like, were super affected by this. Yeah. Like, weeping, because, like, you know, this album obviously touched a nerve. So, yeah. I think, you know, it's just... It's kind of like what we said about uh, the bands previously. Like, what's working for them is that a they make, you know, make music of a high quality in their genre, and b like obviously that they're. It's obvious when you listen to the music like that that they're doing it for them first. Like, this is not a commercial endeavor because like how could it be? Yeah. And so yeah, I think you know just the just the full emotional like exorcism that they go through on these songs is just like, so it's like. That's what's doing it. You know, that's like at the forefront of all this. And then getting the push from like Century Media mm-hmm. on the back of that, like maybe that's able to, you know, latch on like a like a sled to, you know, what they're pushing out as far as the power of their music. But yeah. One thing I think that they also did that was quite uh good. Well, they did they did a few things, right? In my opinion. Um, they did the whole they didn't come to Canada on this part, but they did that whole tour with Suicide Silence back in may i think it was or april of last year uh it was like the chaos and carnage tour where they had it was them carnifex a whole bunch of big bands and then they were like one of the openers which i think was really smart because that got them in front of these bigger bands similar style to them um and then they really started dropping the singles when did they start i think they started dropping the singles i think it was in march or april or something like that anyways it was a really long drawn out campaign um and then on top of that they also did the three videos like we said no five videos i think total they released a lot of singles and uh anyways Aaliyah, what did you think what did you think about lorna shore and what they did right out of curiosity from your perspective well i think they they um i remember seeing will ramos go on the charismatic voice and she put a camera down his throat to see that. what was going on with his vocal cords when he was making those crazy sounds yeah and I think just like being, it's again, that being willing to participate in kind of unconventional interviews um, and being willing to dig deep and do those, do those unconventional things. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what they did initially to spark that, um, that viral response. But the fact was that once they got the viral response, they dealt with it properly. One thing that's amazing to me is that they got all the success after, after like Will isn't their original vocalist, as far as I, I know. I believe he came on the album before, if I'm not mistaken. So this is, it's kind of weird when a band kind of gets that trajectory after they've already been around for a little while. Well, actually, it makes more sense. You think because, so? Yeah, because they have this, they had this controversy. They, split ways with their yeah. previous vocalist they bring on a new vocalist I don't just know so happens to be even more um he he does everything that the prior vocalist did and more um vocally and it just really blew people away yeah i didn't know about a controversy that's news to me yeah I, I there was know. a massive controversy with oh, okay. the prior vocalist 
I did not know that. Okay. Um, now, one last thing I want to take up too, though, is uh, another band that I think has also done really well at marketing themselves. I, I want to hear Ian's take on this. He's probably going to hate me for this. Electric Cowboy. You know who we're talking about, right? Does he even know who they are? The look on his uh, face when we go, does he know who I'm talking about? Is that is that like a Lost Loverboy album? That he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Dropped you don't in the know 80s or something? Or? Please tell me you're joking right now. <laughs> uh sure yeah no uh electric callboy uh -huh. used to used to be called eskimo callboy they changed their name recently well good for them uh yeah. that's a that's a smart decision yeah 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 uh anyway so for i'll, I'll briefly and briefly and briefly on uh, eskimo callboy uh they're also on century media uh they're probably bigger in europe than here but they're quite massive they are pretty big here, and I will say their show in our town sold out six months in advance. Aaliyah, can you look up how many listeners they have on Spotify while we're doing this? Are you, are you able sure, to I'll that? look it up. You talk. So um, anyways, Electric Callboy, they released an album last year. I forget the name off the top of my head, but uh, it did really, really well. They're kind of metalcore. They're kind of goofy. Are you Googling them, Ian? Yeah. You're, you're, no, this is this is all stuff that's in my brain. Obviously, uh -huh. obviously, yeah. Uh, he's yeah. not googling the, them at all. The the uh, great uh, album Techno that came yeah, out in Central Media on September sixteenth, twenty twenty two. That one that was yeah. number one in Germany. Number one yeah. in Germany. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. They're huge. So they they've done pretty well. They're goofy as fuck. The first time I saw them was due to Corey on her Notfest stream. She played them a year and a half ago. And I remember seeing this. I'm like, at first I was like, I don't get this, and then all of a sudden it's like. You watched a couple of videos and it's like, I get it now. Um, Aaliyah, how many Spotify listeners do they have? Did you see? I didn't say. Oh, um, no, see, I mean. Sorry, I clicked out to a different, I scrolled down the page and I lost the number here. It is, <clears throat> oops, I'm in an album now. Uh, 1.4 million. Like that's insane. So for those of you who do not know who uh, ask no, electric cowboy story are so number one in germany like uh ian said they're metalcore band they're goofy as fuck but they are hilarious they don't take themselves too seriously they're really catchy um i just want to briefly talk about their marketing i'll let i'll i'll ask ian's opinion because the look on his face right now is classic um because he's not hearing about them for the first time obviously at all but i just want to get his opinion on what they could possibly be doing right uh, and he's probably never coming back on the show ever again but go ahead, Ian. Sure. Uh, so, okay. So the band calls their music porno metal, which I'm sure, why not? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, how did this band get big? Did this get, like, caught up into the, like, the reaction video? I don't even. System? It's, like, something like that. It's just so incredibly bizarre. I, the I, videos even... are, like, the key thing i think yeah. because their videos are always like over the top yeah. funny yeah. but super eye candy like they're super like saturated colors bright lights hot girls hot guys yeah. lots of dance moves like everything costuming is hilarious it's like that combination right it's like all that eye candy yeah. combined with the the techno aspect of the music like the dance Super aspect catchy. of the music combined with the metal and like they do like the metal metal core they got the clean singing they got the screaming and so it's just like very of the moment high stimulus 
high visual content stuff. You're going to blow your mind when you actually listen to them, Ian. Yeah. Is this like Steel Panther, but metalcore? Sort of. Sort of, but not as, not, not as sexist, I would say. No. Gotcha. And I think it's more funny. Yeah. Steel it, Panther. Yeah. They, they, have, they have like workout videos and shit. It, it, it's really funny. But from your viewpoint, what would you say as a journalist would be what they are doing right? I mean, capturing the zeitgeist, probably. I think we're kind of still in this space where, you know, the safest thing that you can make fun of is making fun of yourself. Yep. So I'm assuming that this band is like super referential and yep. self-deprecating in that way. So yep. that's probably helping. But yeah, as uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, my- <laughs> yeah, I think that the video that really took off for this album was We Got the Moves. Probably. Which was the one where they all put on the worst wig that made them all look like dickheads and were super silly. So that's that it's like very self-deprecating. They all make themselves look as bad as, as they possibly can, but hilarious. Pump it did pretty good too. Pump it did pretty good too. So did so did the one with the uh, zombies, the name I'm forgetting. But um yeah, anyways, if anybody who has not heard Electric Cowboy, uh go watch their videos. Um, they are probably the best example. But yeah, I do think it might be the videos, band. right? Like, I yeah. think it might be the videos being so, um, I don't even know if they intentionally did that, but just because they had these crazy videos that they did, they did get kind of caught up in the reaction videos thing. And yeah. a lot of people were reacting to the videos because they're so hilarious. And then the music is kind of over the top too. But catchy and, and high quality music at the same time. I think that's kind of a key point is you got to have the tunes to back it up. You can't just be a bunch of goofballs and just like, you know, you got to have something there. Um, Aaliyah, what else do we want to cover before we end off? We've been going a long time. It's almost 930. No, I think we better. I think we'd better wrap yeah. it up. Cool. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave you be to uh, end off then, Aaliyah. I feel like I could have made a great pun. You could have. Make it like a make it like a frat boy and wrap it up. <laughs> All right. I hope you all learned something beneficial this time. And until next time, make like a bull and throw those horns up. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by following or subscribing to us, recommending it to your friends, or leaving us a review on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Heavy Business, brought to you by C-Squared Music.